Today on the show, we sit down with the Deidre Prince of Madness himself, legendary actor Wes Johnson, for a conversation on interactive storytelling, memorable characters, and whatever else comes up. Welcome to Lore Party, the podcast that explores the stories, characters, and universes of our favorite video games. I'm Connor. I'm Bruce. And we have a real treat for you this time. We are oh so excited to announce a very special guest. You may know him as Mr. Burke and Fox from Fallout 3, Mo Cronin and the Silver Shroud from Fallout 4, and of course, the one and only Deidre Prince of Madness, Sheogorath, from Elder Scrolls, Oblivion, Skyrim, Online, and a bunch of others. Uh, so many more roles to name. Uh, well, you might not know, he's also a renowned sketch and stand-up comedian with a long list of on-camera roles in movies like Don't Look Up, television shows like Veep. He's been all over the place, but right now he's here. And it's our genuine pleasure to introduce and welcome Wes Johnson to the show. How are you, sir? Oh, doing wonderfully, Connor. <laughs> Bruce, oh, there ain't no party like a lore party. Oh my god, he said my name in the voice. <laughs> We're a little starstruck right now, yeah. <laughs> it's a pleasure to meet both of you. Glad to be here. Amazing to have you. Thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, it's it a genuine is, pleasure. It is truly an honor. It has yes. been, it's truly a long shot to get here, but you have been such a gracious guest to even, you know, Grace us with your presence. To so even answer the email. <laughs> the person we have to thank is my wife, so who's letting me get away for the evening to, to come hang out with you guys. So thank you, Kim. <laughs> thank you, Kim. Our, thank you. our eternal gratitude to Kim. <laughs> thank you, Mrs. Johnson. <laughs> yes. So it's actually a funny story. Uh, this this uh, conversation is a long time coming. Well, it's about a month in the making of, you know, last back in January, the three of us met in person at... An amazing event called MAGFest love in Mag Washington, D.C. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Gotta love MAGFest. It's a great time. And, yeah, it's occasionally that event will have uh, celebrity signings and meetups. And we were like, dude, Bruce West Johnson's going to be there. Let's go meet him. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and the rest is history. I emailed a little later, like, hey, let's chat. And, no, it's uh, so glad we were able to do this. And you guys came by the line. You stood in that freaking long line to come say <laughs> hello. You could have just walked up to me at any time. Uh, <laughs> It was well worth it. I even I was able to get a headshot signed by you. Which one? Way, you got so. the uh, the shale. I I think I got the one. I I asked you to sign a halt criminal scum when you signed. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's the one. halt criminal scum. You're stolen forks are now forfeit. <laughs> oh my god! This is awesome. That's so cool. How many forks have you stolen, criminal? <laughs> <laughs> Can you do me a solid? Can you just say one time for me? Then pay with your blood. Then pay with your blood. <laughs> Yeah, that, that's this, that's a lot easier, by the way, just to pay with Visa. So get that out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> like, really, all you need to do is just return the stolen goods, pay a fine, and you're Seriously, good. Seriously, you but go up there, some people, people, you go up to the grocery store, and they're like, will that be cash? Will that be charged? <laughs> or will you pay with your blood? <laughs> yeah, you're going to get, a, like, a side gig just at a grocery store. <laughs> Absolutely. I would be fired the first time, you know. <laughs> yeah. Some poor little old lady going, he wanted me to pay with my blood. <laughs> It'd be a good story, though. Doing that, man. We gotta let you go. <laughs> this is seriously like 
uh, tickling so many so many nostalgic uh, hairs on the back of my head for me. Like I'm, I, I, yeah, all I have on the back of my head are nostalgic <laughs> hairs. Which, uh, <laughs> sort of slipped away a little bit. <laughs> so before we get too much further into it, we do have a little bit of housekeeping to take care of. Just want to remind the listeners out there that we'd love to hear from them. Please email us anytime you'd like at podcast at loreparty.com with your thoughts, your episode ideas, criticisms, anything, let us have it. You never write. You never call. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to Wes and give us a, give us a line, yeah. Uh, you can also uh, get in touch with Bruce on Twitter, at Bruce Walton. And uh, you can get in touch with me on Twitter, at Connor Howard VO. And, of course, you can connect with the whole team on Twitch, Instagram, and Twitter, at lore underscore party. Basically, these guys are really, really easy to stalk if you want to. <laughs> yeah, like we're not hard to find. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, what we're going to get into today, we we you know we have so many questions for for our uh, esteemed guest, and we're going to just get into some some crazy stories, I'm sure. But uh, we're going to talk you know career highlights. We want to talk about the stories behind the iconic characters you've portrayed, and whatever else comes up. Much much more. All right. But, before we get into that, do you have any uh, projects or upcoming appearances or anything you'd like to plug while you're here? Well, I'm about getting ready to go on the uh, King Con cruise, uh, which is uh, fantastic. Duke Nukem, John St. John himself, uh, runs this wow. cruise. We're, we're going down oh. to meet folks in, uh, we're going to leave from uh, Orlando, and we're going to travel via a big uh, boat to the Bahamas. And it's going to be like wow. a video game convention on the ocean. And wow. uh, it's gonna. I'm gonna be there. John St. John will be there. Uh, DC Douglas, who's Albert Wesker from Resident Whoa. Evil. Uh, yeah. uh, Richard Epcar. You know Richard Raiden mm -hmm. and uh, the Joker. And uh, Ellen Stern is going to be there. And we're just gonna have a party. We're gonna do a Voice of Palooza panel, which I do at all the different uh, conventions I go to, and we do a charity with Voice of Palooza every year. But it, it's usually a laugh riot. And oh, uh, we're then we're going to go with all the guests and we're just going to go snorkeling and we're going to go kayaking <laughs> and what? we're going to go to uh, go to Nassau, Bahamas and hang out there. And some of us are going to go to like the fish fry and sit around and eat fried snapper together. It's going to be <sighs> fantastic. You know, I, I love to go to the cons. I love to go to MAGFest, which, as you know, is the mm -hmm. music and gaming festival. And that's mm -hmm. sort of like one of my hometown cons. I, I go there as often as I can. I love yeah. like an awesome con or something of that nature. But the King Con Cruise, this is the third one we've done. Unfortunately, we had to take a break because of the pandemic. But sure. mm -hmm. it's you get so much closer and very personal with everybody because you're yeah. hanging out on a boat together. You know, like the times at, at MAGFest where, you know, we're sitting around and we're just chatting. At this place, we're all just sitting around having a drink or we're out on yeah. a beach and we've got a big pineapple filled with frozen rum. And <laughs> it, it, it goes from an ask me anything kind of situation to just you get to pal around with the people that you uh, you play the games with. So it's that's incredible. A good and then there's karaoke night. We're, oh, which yeah. is like karaoke oh, with man, you guys. Let me, let me tell you something. Spad singing and alcohol. Uh, alcohol is the only <laughs> way to get through it. And uh, <laughs> then there's actually a couple's going to get married. Uh, John has been ordained. I've been ordained as well. If anybody ever wanted to get 
Shea get married we by Wes, we just got married last year. Where the oh, hell were I, you? Bruce and I are both recently married, and we wish we'd you known this to each other. <laughs> <laughs> he wishes. I'll, I'll do it again. But it's, it's going to be a pirate wedding. It's going to be a pirate yes. oh wedding God. on the ocean. So we're going to have a great time with that. And I'm working oh on a, goodness. a Star Trek film right now called Farragut Forward, where I'm in full Klingon makeup. I've done... Klingons and all sorts of characters in the Star Trek video yes. games like uh, Legacy and uh, um, there's a couple of others where I've I've even did one I think in Legacy I had a nice couple scenes with Patrick Stewart as a Klingon in battle with him. Wow. I've I've worked with Patrick Stewart twice, had lines interacting with him and never met him oh, once. Oh wow. How, how what? Oh, I, was, I, was I was one of the guards. How is he? I was one of the guards in uh, Skyrim that uh led him out. Well, he didn't quite get out the way he wanted to. Oh, oblivion. Oblivion. Oh, in oblivion, the, yes. Uh, yeah, in oblivion. the emperor gets in that's oblivion. Right, yeah, I was yeah. one of I was uh, one of the guards in there with him. That's right. And, that's um, awesome. Yeah. Patrick Stewart is just wonderful. But uh being able to be a Klingon in the video games and never actually playing one, they're doing this Farragut Forward. It's like a, a fan film kind of thing, and they're on Indiegogo right now, still fundraising. They've mm-hmm. gotten you for Star Trek. You can get up to a fifty thousand dollar budget, and they're up to thirty five. So they're trying to wow. make this the best. It's a movie era version, and it looks great so far. And the makeup is wow. like one hundred percent professional. I look like a Klingon. Awesome. Uh, I I I wanted to just wear it home. They've given me these teeth, these fake teeth I put in, <laughs> and when I tried them on, I kept trying to nuzzle on my wife's neck, and she was not. <laughs> Not having it, no. Uh, I did a thing Worth called a try. Sanctuary recently where I played a very bad, bad man. Uh, we filmed that one in L.A. where I beat up some kids, including the kid who played young Ricky Bobby in uh, Talladega Nights. No way. Yeah. yeah. I felt like I wanted to keep beating him, oh, say, if you're not first, you're yeah. last, you know. But, um, yeah, he, he, was, he, he was wonderful, and uh, the kids were great in that, and we became pals off – Set, but I, I had to, my beard was darker and bigger and bushier. And my hair was like Nick Nolte on a <laughs> nice. bender kind of look. And <laughs> nice. I got stopped by TSA going into, <laughs> trying to go to LA. They pulled me over because I looked very suspicious suddenly. They, they went through my <laughs> luggage, tossed it like a salad. And my earbuds, they threw my earbuds out onto the floor. Then they picked them up and said, these yours? I'm like, okay, yeah, those are mine. Thanks. Put them in my pocket. <laughs> Get on the airplane. Kids crying three seats behind me. I'm like, of course, it's time for noise cancellation. Let's go superpowers. And I open up my case. It's empty. No, the buds are gone. So no. I go, I run and uh, find my iPhone on it, and I can see they're still mm-hmm. there at the airport. But I'm already on the plane, so I can't get off. No, they probably fell out when they five just hours later when we <sighs> land. I run the iPhone again. One of my earpods has gone to a, an apartment building in Alexandria, Virginia. <laughs> the other earpod is in Dirks, Arkansas. What? I, why? Why? So Jeez. okay, <laughs> just kind wow. of. Someone wow. took one. The I mean, other we're talking there. some real spatial stereo right there. <laughs> yeah, that's really spatial. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be great if it was still paired. Like, I amazing. know, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I amazing. ended up having to get new earbuds. But I, I, the sanctuary is going to be really cool. Yeah. Did a, a yeah. horror movie that uh, 
hopefully will be coming out uh, in a while. It was uh, Eduardo Sanchez was the uh, director and Jamie Nash is uh, the writer and director. And uh, wow. I have a small part in which I play a uh, college, local, like college professor from a community college at a, a bar. It's at a, a bar at a, a bowling alley trying <laughs> to pick up a, an Instagram model. <laughs> yeah, my, my, my line is that I'm trying to talk to her about the Battle of Hastings. <laughs> it's not successful, guys. Does it go over well? Not all right. Uh, I guess not. Yeah, he doesn't do well. Yeah, well, that that line usually works for me. So does it really? The Battle of Hastings might be a, might be a skill you issue. You start huh? bringing you start bringing up the Saxons, and they're like, <laughs> you know, that's that's what does it. Yeah, usually. <laughs> so those are all very cool, and and uh, there are things, of course, NDA wise, I can't talk about. Of course, but uh, I'm very excited about the upcoming new year. Uh, it's going to be a lot of yes. fun. I yeah, it sounds like you yeah, got a lot ahead of you. Yeah. yeah. Can't wait. Awesome. Well, that's a teaser of what we have coming up uh, after this. Oh, it was a teaser. I just gave you a whole buffet. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, that was more. There's more to come, it. and uh, we're going to get into it after this quick break to hear from our sponsors. So stick around. We'll be right back. Okay, we're back with special guest Wes Johnson. Uh, again, thank you for joining us. It's been a pleasure already. And we had a you know a few questions we wanted to get into uh, while we have you. And I, I, I was curious about just if you could tell us a little bit about your early career. You know, how, how did you first get into performance art? You know, how did, how did you first catch the acting bug and, you know, fall in love with comedy and acting? And all well, that? I mean, I've been in love with acting ever since I was a young kid and got brought up on stage during a magic act to as a comic foil for some magician and hearing the crowd laughing. And I, I was infected with the bug. I got bit real hard and we started performing in backyards. We do things for, uh, you know, the muscular dystrophy and raise money. And we put a show on in the backyard. Hey kids, let's do a show. Um, Mm -hmm. I I used to watch the old creature feature back in the day, the horror host, uh, Count Gore Duvall. And, Mm -hmm. um, we would send, I'd mail things like a rubber shark and a glass eyeball into him. And he'd, he'd open them up on the air and put them on anniversary cakes and things of that sort. And I was like, yes, cutting, <laughs> taking my mother's wig and her best wig, oh boy. cutting all the hair off of it, <laughs> oh, gluing it to my face to become a werewolf like Lon Chaney and putting it on a pair of my best gloves covered with fur and taking a picture, sending to Count Court of all, which made it on the air. Which wow, to me made awesome. the lifetime restriction worth it. Um, <laughs> but I, I, the funny thing is, is that I ended up becoming friends with uh, Dick Dizel, who played Count Gordeval years later, and he just oh. had his fiftieth anniversary recently up at the AFI, and they showed oh, a four K wow. release of The Shining. And beforehand, we all get to come up, and he invited me as well as a number of other people, like other horror hosts and uh, Arch Campbell, a local celebrity, and people of that nature to come up and talk, and he invited me to do that. So I went out, and I got a box, black box, filled it with this red, blood red paper, and I went and bought a rubber shark and a fake eyeball. And I presented to him for his 50th anniversary the same thing I presented to him when I was 13 years old, except a much better version of each of those. So that was like a nice full circle kind of thing for me. So I've been, you know, from that, I ended up going into stand-up when I got out. You know, Mm -hmm. everybody does their high school drama. I had a great teacher in George Robert Allen Mm -hmm. there. Uh, Went into Mm -hmm. um, stand-up comedy, started doing sketch comedy. Uh, doing a multiple different characters, uh, started 
getting the notice of a local radio station called WHFS, uh, which was an alternative uh, legend in the D.C. area. And Mm -hmm. they brought me on to the morning show. And I started doing voices and impressions and comedy and producing things. I ended up getting songs on Dr. Demento and uh, things of that nature. Yeah, yeah. Um, Doing William Shatner. Ew, Klingon bastard, you've (laughs) killed my son. In our comedy (laughs) troupe, we did a thing called the William Shatner School of Acting, which we reprised later on Funny or Die. Nice. And we did it like a learning (laughs) annex kind of thing. And when it was on Funny or Die, I put it on Twitter, and I, I, I actually tagged William Shatner on it. And when I sent it, I was like, what have I done? And <laughs> he responded with, uh, sounds more like Cagney, with a little winky emoticon. And I oh thought, God, that's, that's the awesome. best I could possibly hope for right there. Best I could. <laughs> yeah, not a restraining order. So, you know, doing stuff like that with HFS, I ended up working with Wolfman Jack. That's right, baby, mm-hmm. the great Wolfman Jack. And I worked wow. with him for a couple of years until he passed away. We were doing a national mm-hmm. radio show. Started getting into films. And yeah. then I got a call to do some video game voice work. I think the first thing I did was for a thing called Unreal 2, where they oh, asked yeah, me to just, I didn't get a role. Mm-hmm. I was doing effort sounds. I was brought in for four straight hours of dying as as many different people as I possibly could. I was the living Just grunting and yelling. I was and the stuff. living embodiment of the Wilhelm scream. Uh, you know, it's okay, Wes. Uh, in this one, you're going to get a harpoon to the eye. Ah! All right, Wes. In this one, uh, you get caught in your own zipper. Ah! You know. So those were the things I did for that. But then I got the call for uh, Morrowind. And I'd done animation, I'd done characters with animation before, but Morrowind was a different kind of thing. And Todd Howard was actually the director, a voice director. Oh, yeah. And, you know, so getting to do characters like when you first get off the boat, it's like, ah, yes, we've been expecting you. Come right in. Tell us a little bit about That's you too. I didn't know that. (laughs) Someone takes your sweet roll. What do you do? So, uh, and then I was all the uh, Bretons. I was uh, mm. I was I, I was a number wow. of different characters. If, if, I was all the orcs uh, back wow. in that one. So we spent many many hours uh, doing those sessions, and they called me back for Oblivion, mm-hmm. and I got to work with Mark Lampert, the director there. And Mark mm-hmm. is wonderful. Mark is fantastic, and he's like, I know what you did, but I don't necessarily want to do the Bretons this time. They'd gotten Ralph Cosham was going to do the Bretons, and yeah. Ralph. Rest his soul, Ralph was the very mm. best. I would have paid to listen to Ralph read the phone book. He did amazing work yeah. with those with those uh, characters. Like the Breton voices were so soothing. Mm. Like, I th- they were so absolutely, like, just absolutely. Rich. Ralph was Ralph was just the best, and uh, yeah. they wanted an imperial. So he started mm-hmm. working with me on what we wanted an imperial to sound like, and I ended up getting the roles of all the imperials. And as yeah. we're going through, we come across this one character. And he says, Wes, you know, they get on the microphone, Wes, um, this one's a little different. This guy here is a little darker than the rest of them that you've been playing. Um, he's coming from sort of an evil faction. He's a, uh, an assassin. So I get this idea in my mind of what I want this guy to look like. Yeah. And, and that's what you do in voice acting. You picture who you are. You picture who you're talking to. You picture your environments. And frankly, mm-hmm. after having been in Morrowind and playing it for like 600-some-odd hours, uh, <laughs> I, there, there are nights when I was playing Morrowind 
where I would go to sleep and I would see cliff racers and stilt striders in my dreams, you know? Um, same. Yeah, big same. So I could close my eyes and imagine that world. So when I'm voicing now for Oblivion, I'm in that world. I'm there. And yeah. it made it so much more personal. And having experienced and played in the RPG world of uh, Morrowind, gave me much more experience which is why i talk to other voice actors and mm -hmm. some of them are like well i never play the games i just don't play the games i'm saying you're missing out yeah. you have to play the games you have to get involved in it. if you want to be immersive mm -hmm. and live in that world you need to live in that world and so that's just like doing research yeah, yeah just knowing yeah your, yeah so material. for each of these characters i lived in that world and when i got to lucian i started thinking of this gaunt dark circles under the eyes yeah. Hair long and stringy, like maybe uh, you know uh, the character, the 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 guy in uh, Rocky Horror, uh, Richard O'Brien's character in Rocky uh -huh. Horror, but it, but baldish and greasy and you know cr creepy, crooked back. And I, as I'm reading him, I'm almost twisting like Joe Cocker in there. They said, "Oh, you were going through some contortions." <laughs> ah, yes, dear child of cities, <laughs> the night mother she loves you. So, you know, uh, playing with that character and doing this, I just deeply dived into this guy's psyche and into who he was. Mm -hmm. And really, I loved being able to do that and break the, 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 the race mold that we had for mm -hmm. all the other characters in Oblivion. Because every other character, whether you're the, the, the gray fox or you're uh, the, uh, the head of the guards or you're this, they all have the same mm -hmm. voice. Obviously, mm -hmm. there was... A lot of crossbreeding and uh, in, uh, oblivion, <laughs> but yeah, a little bit. <laughs> being able to do something different and break yeah. that helped Lucian stand out from everybody else. And then, absolutely, then the designers get a hold of him and make mm -hmm. him look like Benjamin Brad. They make him this really like <laughs> handsome, gorgeous guy, and women are looking at him going, "Oh my God, he's gorgeous, and he has the heart of evil, the perfect man." So, you know, uh, the, the package between the two of those just worked, I thought, very well. And um, it really helped Lucian stand out. And I think because of the Lucian experiment and doing a different voice and for them hearing how it stood out from the rest of them, when we went to do Shivering Isles, they wanted mm -hmm. every character to be different. You'll notice that yeah. in Shivering Isles, there's so many different voices. Even some of the Imperial Guards sound slightly different. One of them, because I had a terrible, terrible cold that day. I had a horrifyingly bad cold, but it was the guard who's standing outside the Shivering Isles gate. So if you go out there and you're out the mouth of madness on the aisle before you go into the Shivering Isles, if that guy sounds like he's been out in the cold too long and been suffering, and you're thinking, my God, what great acting. No, no, I was sicker than a dog. But <laughs> no, 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 that's that's method acting. Don't yeah, worry about yeah. it. <laughs> but I love, yeah, I love doing different characters. I love doing characters that nobody knows that I'm doing them. Like Hermaeus Mora sounds different than Lucian Lachance, and Shea Gorath, yeah. and Mo Cronin sounds different, and the 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 Silver Shroud sounds different than mm -hmm. the Super Mutants or the Protectrons. Um, yeah. Even in Shivering Isles, there's Dias, the old man in a cave. Who you know the the torturer? Uh, heard it's uh, the torturer. I'm him, and he has a different voice. And Herumnus Columnus, the, the the suicidal guy, who wants you to kill him, has a different voice. And I don't want people to know I'm the same guy. So if wow. if you 
can tell it's me and everyone, more power to you. But if you can't, that's what brings me joy. It brings yeah. me joy to be able to play multiple different characters and not have people associate them with each other sound alike, which is very different from what we had in mm -hmm. Morrowind and what we had in Oblivion. And it's a challenge each time to create a new character that stands on its own as their own and doesn't yeah. necessarily bring back, except for one, they asked me to almost reprise a character <laughs> mm -hmm. from, uh, <laughs> from the Elder Scrolls into the Fallout world. Can you guess who that was? Ooh, um, I'm going to guess. I stripped away the accent and all affectations, but the voice was same range. Mm. I kind of feel like Mr. Burke was like Lucian if he that's lived in Fallout. Exactly right, and wow, that's what they were—that's what they were looking nice. for. Nice. They wanted nice. Mr. Burke to be a Lucian type voice, and I—I I was like, yeah. okay, he's great, but we got it. He can't have the same affectations. He doesn't come from the same mm -hmm. background, but they're—they're they're both right in here. Lucian the Chance has a little bit of an accent, and he can be a bit much with what he says, dear child. But Mr. Burke, he's there. Mr. Burke doesn't have the accent. I want you to blow this cesspool megaton off the map. Wow. Amazing. Mr. Tenpenny will be very happy with you. But you lose the accent. You lose the affectation. But you live right there in the same place. Oh, my God. It's just those subtle changes that, like, really morph it for, like, a different character. Yeah. And I will yeah. have to say, like, when I was doing my research, I'm just like, okay, Wes Johnson, that Shiogarth guy. And, like, you know, just to <laughs> just stroke your ego, I was just like, he, he did what? He did what now? <laughs> and I just kept going yeah. down the list. I'm just like, okay, all right. Yeah, well, he's I, got mean, the ring. I keep getting surprised. Like, what? That one's The one that's, that's closest that's... to my own natural voice that I did was uh, Scribe Bigsley. Except, oh. <clears throat> except Scribe Bigsley is just irritated and exhausted and really pissy all the time. <laughs> if you ask my wife, that is me. But um, that, that, you know, you can change even when you're using your own voice with your attitude, with where you're coming from, with what the history yeah. is of the character, what, who they are, can change yeah. it a bit. But it still was in my range. It was still my solid state. It was still kind of my voice. Like... Whereas, you know, yeah. Mo Cronin from Diamond City, he's more up in here. He's got sort of that, yeah. you know, Boston uh, kind of accent. You know, hey, right. hey, let me tell you something. You want to know how to play baseball? <laughs> yeah, I like my way better. <laughs> it is, it's, it's truly amazing to just see it all happen in front of me, the, the process of like, yeah, if you just change the placement a little bit, if you just change your attitude a little bit. I'm not to toot my horn too much. I'm a bit of an actor myself, and like I've I've learned this amazing technique from well, one of my coaches, uh, the amazing David Sobolov. I don't know if you've met mm -hmm. him or I've heard of him, him, but he's he, he's an amazing actor, a great coach, and you know just what he always says is you know just to have a conversation. Yeah, like you know you talk about like decide who your character is and what they look like, but also who you're talking to. Like just have a conversation. You really need to visualize yeah. who you're talking to. A lot yeah. of these things are things that I I teach a class through uh, Theater Lab DC which mm -hmm. is at theaterlab.org, or maybe theaterlabdc.org, but I think it's just theaterlab.org. And uh, we're just finishing up a class right now. We do a six-week course, and I work with folks for like, supposed to be two and a half hours. I generally go three, and sometimes we go <laughs> a little bit long. But I want everybody mm -hmm. to be able to, I think it's important to hear other people as well. But yeah. this is right. You have, the, the biggest challenge is not necessarily making it so that everybody sounds different. The mm. biggest challenge is to making it so that they sound real, so that you believe yeah. them. 
so that it's con- right. conversational and not reedy. You know, yeah, there are misnomers. People say, "Well, are you going to read your lines?" Well, yeah, you can give me a read, yeah, but you don't want it to sound reedy. Is it going to be mm-hmm. acting? Yeah, but you don't want them to hear you act. You want to live it. You want to be real, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. that's that. I think is important and. Sometimes it can be hard. You go into a video game voice acting session and you were preparing for one or two characters and they throw three or four more at you. So you have to pull some yeah. stuff out the old wazoo. And uh, <laughs> But to me, yeah. there's nothing more thrilling. I just, I absolutely love it. And uh, like there's one that I've been doing recently that I've done before, uh, but they have asked me to do some things that are a little different with it. Mm-hmm. And this is... Okay. The directors are like, you give them what they want. And mm-hmm. so I'm excited about the new direction. Yeah, I bet. It's uh, it's amazing. It's, it's truly impressive to see, like you talk about authenticity, you know, make like a character relatable and to, you know, inhabit so many different characters across so many different properties and settings, but all of them feel like they really belong there. That's the, they have to, it'll break immersion otherwise. And it, that's hugely exactly. important in a video game. You ever been playing a game or even watching a movie? You watch a movie and you're in this world and then somebody shows up who obviously got cast because they knew somebody. And, <laughs> you know, it, it, it could be even something as small as I remember watching um, the thing with, with Kate Winslet, Mayor of Easttown, I believe it was. Okay. And yeah. I was so into that world and there was suddenly a scene in a mortuary where they're talking to the person at the mortuary who was just rattling off their lines somewhat like this. And it's suddenly like, oh, I'm watching a show. Mm-hmm. I'm no longer involved in this world and buying everything somebody who's not giving you real who's not inhabiting that character who's not believing what they're saying but are just reading their lines and going over it like skipping it they've ruined it for you they've ruined the immersion and Mm -hmm. when we go to a, a movie or we are playing a game especially in when you're in a world in a game and you're immersed in it you're you're trying to go to a different world a different place you you really do believe i know that there are times that i've like i said i told you you go to that place between dreamfulness and wake where imagination Mm -hmm. reigns supreme and that is the place that happens in your dreams you know before rem kicks in before you go too deep and when you before you're awake that place right in the middle you know when you're starting to fall Mm -hmm. asleep and you can start hearing voices and you start to dream and you're drifting off that is a magical place that is a realm between our world and the world of sleep, that anything can happen. And I think that that's where you exist when you get into a good program, a good show, a good game that takes you into that world. And if you, as a voice actor, want to give me a line reading that's stilted and wrong and you don't believe what you're saying, or you mm. rush through your line because you think that punctuation is a suggestion and not you know, where you should breathe, Mm-hmm. Uh, I get pulled out of the game. It takes me a while to come back. It takes you a while to yeah. find your groove again. You don't want to do right. that to somebody. As a voice actor, your job mm-hmm. is to believe, to <laughs> live that role. Yeah, yeah, big that time. Was inspiring and beautiful. Thank you. Very beautiful. <laughs> that's that's wisdom right there. And uh, yeah, you you have so much experience. You've been in so many games. You've been you know in this business for a while. I was curious. You know, just while, while we're talking about the process of of performing for video games you know just i was curious if you have any thoughts on has that business changed much since you first kind of broke into it you know like when you when you were getting started there to the more recent games you've worked on has there been a lot of evolution there the evolution is really behind the scenes 
because when when things start off when things mm. were beginning with video games i don't think that a lot of the industry the entertainment industry realized what they had casting was different I went through like yeah. a local casting agency for Morrowind, for Unreal, for things of that sort. The casting agencies now come out of L.A. They, you have to have agents. You have to have people who can recommend you. I was very lucky to be able to come up in a time when a local casting agent could recommend me for something. And I could go in and it was a smaller group of people that battled for it. Some of the people that I worked with who did the voices with those games... They don't follow through with it. I don't know if they have the, the passion as much. One of the reasons I think I've stuck around is that I love it. Mm -hmm. I also am a bit of a gamer, you know? <laughs> that helps. Yeah. 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 I, I love getting involved. I will play the games. I will play the stories. I, especially, I mean, life does get in the way sometimes. We've all had those moments where we're like, oh, man, tonight I'm going to play for just about half an hour. And I'll knock a little of this out, and then I'll get a good night's sleep, and we'll be fresh and ready to go in the morning, baby. Next thing you know, you hear those birds <laughs> chirping outside, and your day is toast. Yeah. Oh, so We've all been there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so I can't always do that as like I used to anymore. But mm -hmm. I, I, I love to take my time. I know that when I sit down and start playing, we're looking at eight hours. My wife has enough time to file for a separation. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think my wife's right there with you. Just God, how, how long has he been down there playing games? Yeah. Listen, if <laughs> Downton Abbey became a game, I'd never get her off the thing. There you go. <laughs> it's all relative, yeah. <laughs> I would oh, play man. it too if the Dowager would like, you know, whip out some high weaponry and kick ass. <laughs> I I just love to play. What is um, a weekend? <laughs> Uh, I love to play in the living room uh, while my wife, she just has Sims and she'll just like riff while I'm just playing this very like emotionally intensive game where just like someone gives off this really long monologue and then she's just like, boring. Like, come on, man. Let, the reason we marry, we know we've married right is when they will take the wind out of your sails in a heartbeat. If you ever try to take yourself too seriously, let me tell you a story about my wife. Back when I was working with radio, I was working with HFS in the day, and they called me Wild West. The hair was a bit longer. I rode a motorcycle before I got married, and then the motorcycle <laughs> went away. But mm. uh, they called me Wild West back then, mostly because of the, the comedy and the weird stuff that I do in all this. So sure. we show up at like a comedy club to make an appearance, and we're outside, and we're on the street, and these two young girls come up, and I'm there with my wife. We've only been married for about two and a half <laughs> months at this point. But wow. we've been friends for our entire lives. But these girls come up and they go, oh, my God, it's Wild Wes. <laughs> and my wife goes, yeah, I've seen them pooping. <laughs> and they're just like, oh. <laughs> really takes the mystique and the, the, yeah. the magic. <laughs> really just, huh? I looked over to like, what? Uh, okay, I guess that was kind of brilliant. Okay. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, so Wild West, uh, I think, really was infused heavily into some of your roles. I mean, this 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 wacky comedic instinct that you have. like Improv. You know, I want to talk specifically about, yeah, the improv. Character creation. Uh, yeah, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to, I was curious about Shio Gorath. You, you talked to us a little bit about your process for finding Lucian Lachance as a character. Yeah. 
tell us about being handed the role of Shia Gorath. What was that like? Yeah. And how did how did you figure that well, out? Well, Shia Gorath was very interesting because I found out they tried a different voice at first. Uh, I think that they tried Jeff Baker, and they weren't, you know, they were like, well, I don't know. And they tried me doing Haskell. And mm. then they said, let's try it the other way around. And they had Jeff Baker doing Haskell. And they had me doing Shea Gorath. And um, they said, we want him to be sort of unpredictable. We want mm. him to be somebody that you can laugh at and then be terrified of. We're, we're thinking mm-hmm. somebody with a stand-up sensibility, maybe like a Robin Williams. And I thought, no, Robin Williams is a little too cuddly. You know, Robin Williams is a little cuddly. <laughs> Shea Gorath, I'll skip rope with your entrails. Ah, you know, so, and I thought, that's not... I, I I had, this is a weird thing. Normally with video game characters, you don't get as much time to think about it. I had about a mm-hmm. week ahead of time. So I really had a chance nice. to think about it. They sent me a few of the lines. And I thought, okay, well, let me think of stand-up com- comedians. Who do I feel has a bit of a dangerous air? Now, there's some people out there who like Bobby Slayton, the pit bull of comedy. He was somebody, but he's, mm-hmm. you know, I don't see Shea Gorth as sort of like a Brooklyn kind of guy. You know, yeah. uh, and then suddenly, I thought, Billy Connolly, yeah. Billy Connolly, Scottish comedian, yeah. who mm-hmm. is incredibly hilarious, who you feel huh. like you could go for a drink with, but you feel like mm-hmm. he might just kick your ass if you say the wrong thing. <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> big time. So, but I thought to myself, I don't want to just do an impression of Billy Connolly. I love him as a spirit animal. So Billy Connolly became my spirit animal for Shea Gorath. And then I'm going (laughs) over to the uh, Irish Channel after Caps games. I do announcing for the Washington Capitals. I'm uh, I'm the arena announcer for the Capitals. I've been calling every Alex Ovechkin home goal for a long time. Nice. So I'm in my 23rd year doing that. That's yeah. amazing. And uh, so I go over afterwards occasionally to the Irish Channel, and there's a gentleman with an ear by the name of Tom Steck. And Tom's lovely. He's from Dublin. Oh, not Dublin. He's from Cork. <laughs> He'd be very mad at me for saying he's from Dublin. He's from Cork, Ireland. <laughs> and uh, I'd go over there sometimes to him, and he'd be like, Wiz, I know you love the McKellen, but I want you to try something else. We've got this thing. It's called uh, Red Breast. Now, it's an Irish whiskey. It's not a single malt. But you'll find it's just as smooth and a little less expensive than the McCallan. So I don't know about that, Tom. I really just like the McCallan. Well, hold on a second. Hold on. Bring us two. Bring us two. <laughs> so we get those things, and I take a sip. I'm like, oh, my God, that's good. But that's only internal. Mm-hmm. It's very internal. Mm-hmm. On the outside, I go, ah, I don't know, Tom. What are you crazy? Are you cr- <laughs> Bring us two more. <laughs> so oh, it took at least three of them for me to admit that it was really, really good. <laughs> <laughs> and uh you know so had to twist your arm so i thought it was going to take three more yeah so i thought to myself <laughs> what is it that makes shea gorath kind of different well, he's got mania and he's got dementia mm. so what if shea gorath is not he's not scottish <laughs> he's not irish he's whatever he wants to be yeah he throws affectations around he loves doing this so what if when he's excitable when Shea Gorath is excitable, he's very Scottish. I'll skip rope with your entrails. But then he's like, would you like to care for a bit of brain pie? Perfect! <laughs> care to donate? 
Now, notice that particular line. I had all yeah. three versions oh of Shea God. There's the Scottish angle. There's the Irish. And when he says, care to donate. And he goes complete. He drops it completely and just becomes malevolent. Yeah. When Shea right. becomes malevolent, it all goes away. So I wanted him to be, wow. I wanted him to go like Mercury back and forth, never knowing what it was going to be. Yeah. I wanted the accents to throw you off. I wanted you to be like, you know, oh, it's good to see you. How have you been? Lovely, I hope. Where you weren't just supposed to be doing something for me. Didn't you have yourself a job to do? <laughs> so could you tell that there was both Irish and Scottish in there? Yeah, it but was it's just, not it's a mixture. A weird mix. Yeah, yeah. It it's melts a together. mixture. It's a mixture. Yeah. It kind of melts huh. together, which yeah. confused the hell out of people over in Ireland and Scotland, going, <laughs> "Where the hell is this guy from?" And, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> you know, and and so my feeling is is that you know there have been other people who have tried to do Shagorath who have done a different Shagorath, but yeah. I don't think they got the mixture of the accents completely right. I don't yeah. think the malevolence was completely there. I think the clown kind of thing. And I think that Shea Gorath, for me, is the Joker of the Elder Scrolls series. I'm going to yeah. be with Richard Epcar on this trip, who's played Joker uh, before. And, uh, you know, I've uh, run it occasionally. Uh, I see uh, Mark Hamill. I love Mark Hamill. And they all oh, do yeah. wonderful Jokers. And who wouldn't love to play the Joker? But the fact of the matter is I've played the Elder Scrolls Joker. And right. I've been back ever since uh, ESO uh, had somebody else jump in, uh, which mm -hmm. broke my heart. Because <laughs> I never, I ne all they ever have to do is ask me because I'll be right there. But I've since been back in both Legends uh, Elder Scrolls Legends and in uh, Blades. If you look for Theodore Gorlash, which is an anagram, that is also Sheagorath. <laughs> and so I've been no. back as him twice. So I'm always available to play uh, him. Mm -hmm. He is he and Lucian and uh, Hermaeus Mora, I think, mm -hmm. for the Elder Scrolls for me are very special characters because they are all weird and unusual mm -hmm. and different. And I got to put a little bit of different thought into them and uh, bring bring them to their all my characters are my babies. And I bring a spark yeah. of myself to each one of them. But those are special. And uh, Shea Gorath to me is incredibly special. And uh, I think between uh, Skyrim and uh, Oblivion, uh, uh, Shivering Isles is always going to be my favorite. Mm -hmm. And if you mm -hmm. listen to Shea, listen to him switching at the end, I want to give spoilers away, even though it's a very it's it <laughs> just had its tenth anniversary. There's still people playing it for the first time right now. Yeah. Uh, actually, uh, uh, Shivering Isles. No, it's been what fifteen years. That's got to be at least fifteen. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but but still, uh, there are people who haven't done that mm -hmm. no, I, and, I will uh, have to say that is also me i have seen bits and parts um but yeah. i didn't have the there's an, an emotional end to that storyline <laughs> and playing the emotional side of it to me to be it to get to a point where you can make somebody care enough about a character that it hurts yeah uh that's a privilege and an honor the whole lucy and the chance thing people remember that a lot also because of how that sort of ended up. Yeah. Uh, one of the characters who uh, was popular enough to come back in ghost spirit form for Skyrim. Mm -hmm. That's right. That's such an incredible story, you finding the, the approach for Sheogorath, because that's such an informed way to go about it. Like I think you mentioned you know, having played the games as a fan of them to really 
you know, inform your approaches and as research, as background, but also as just, you know, for the love of the game too. But I think knowing the, the lore and the, I think knowing what, you know, what kind of background Shiogorath as a character comes from, like, you know that he has aspects to himself, you know, he has mania and dimension to himself, and you know that every now and then he has to let that mask drop and you have to realize, no, this is a demon I'm dealing with, like, literally. A- exactly right. And, and not only that, he is forcing himself. Remember, a yeah. Jigalag was so forceful mm-hmm. in, in enforcing his own way on people that they cursed him to become Sheagorath in order to change him. But that aspect of him is still somewhat in there. Yeah. And even though he goes completely and pushes himself in the other direction to go for madness and chaos, because order to him is, is kryptonite, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that that changed the deadly side of his attitude. I really want, even when he zaps you out over Suicide Hill and he's like, you shouldn't have to done that. Ta-ta. Zap. It seems all so gentlemanly. It seems yeah. all so he's being kind, but there's malevolence in there. I, I love I, a character that has malevolence under something that is seemingly friendly. Yeah. See, I, I think you really hit it the nail on the head saying that he is like the Joker of the Elder Scrolls series because I just love how just completely unpredictable but deadly Mm. he is and it kind of Mm. his madness is infectious the way that he talks to the main character just puts you so off step that you're just kind of moving with the motions you have to kind of match him or you're just kind of like so confused even though he's just talking to you directly like and i think shivering isles is very much uh more personal like that because it's you one-on-one with him and you really don't know where he's going to go. You really don't know. I mean, you really get the feeling that he could probably kill you at any moment. Yeah. And just try to attack him. You'll find out it's true. <laughs> we don't Save. recommend that no, here. <laughs> no, I do recommend trying it at least once, but I recommend saving your game before you attack him. There you go. Yeah. See, that's, that's, that, that's, how you know, that's how you know Wes has real gamer chops. He knows that you quick save and then try something risky and dumb. How many people at the end of their session have been like, you know what? I'm going to murder everybody in town. <laughs> More than once for me. Yeah, yeah, you save, you have a save point and you come yeah. back. And is it just me after you've murdered everybody in town? You go back to the original save. They're looking at you like. They know. They know what I've done. <laughs> Got a bad feeling suddenly. Really. <laughs> they got some deja vu like a disturbance in the forest like, yeah we just dodged a bullet right now <laughs> why does my leg hurt like yeah. <laughs> with um you know some of these very like iconic characters that you've done like has there kind of been a consistency to them or have you just kind of like you found your your niche and you just kind of like keep with that like do you refine anything at all uh, it depends. I mean, like I said, there's a character I'm working on now where it's it's being refined a little bit. Mm-hmm. And each time these things can be because uh, certain characters that, uh, well, I don't even, I can't even get it. I'm just saying that uh, let's, let's talk about like a character that you get when pages arrive to you and you're just beginning it. Mm-hmm. And you commit to a voice. But as you're reading and you're going and you start learning more about this character and things start going, you start adding little things here or there. Here's the trick. 
it has to remain consistent with what you've already started. So you can, it's almost like in improv, you say yes and. Mm-hmm. You can never say no. You don't say no to an idea because that'll vapor lock, that'll stop you. But mm-hmm. when you're building a character, you can build as you go. You can add layers. You can add things as you're, you're moving through the story. And even with, say, Shea Gorath, even with Lucy and Lachance, these characters that you begin to get an idea of and you build something in your mind of who they are and where you're coming from with it, you still maybe don't know where the story is heading. Uh, I really thought that Apple Watch was something you could wear on your wrist until I find out later in the game uh, what that means. All I know is I ran out of lines to say. <laughs> so I was just as shocked as anybody else to find out that uh, Tiddly Bits had a, a bad, bad accident. Uh, <laughs> again, spoilers, but no, not unless you... Mm-hmm. Non-specific spoilers. Right. I think it's been long enough. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, staying consistent with your character is fine, but you can adapt and you can evolve. You can evolve and you can adapt and you can change things, especially as the story goes along. Because if you find that a character has been fronting for something and there's something other than what they appear to be, you can play with that as you go. That's part of the challenge. It's part of the excitement of uh, working in a video game environment. And that's part of where the improv comes into being. Mm. Having done improvisational sketch work, as an actor, everybody has these ideas, uh, has these dreams that they're on stage in their underwear and don't know their lines. You know, (laughs) that that nightmare does come and go. But improv makes that go away. Yeah. Because you're like, okay, yes, I'm in my underwear. And, and you just add on to it. it, lucid dreaming is real. And lucid dreaming is what you're sometimes doing as you're working your way and living through that. a script. Incredible, yeah. Can't recommend improv enough. It's a lot of fun. I, I used to do it back in high school, but I, I think the value it gives you as an actor just to give you that toolbox of, I can, I can roll with any situation. I can add to it. Mm-hmm. I can accept it and add to it and just go from there. It, it works for life, too. Yeah, that too. Yeah. I was curious, were there any like Shiograth lines or any, any lines you've done for these games over the years that like you, you took, but like you gave your own spin to it or you improvise, you improvised them a little bit. Did any of the directors let you kind of play fast and loose with the lines at all? Or, um, I think once or twice I may have done something or said something, but you always give them what they want. Right. Uh, right. if you're going to, if you're going to play around a little bit, you know, one, you don't do it too much because you don't want to waste everybody's mm-hmm. time. You've got four hours right. in the studio and you've got a lot of work to do. The improv, I think, comes in the way you spin the line. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, the attitude, the feeling behind it. Sometimes you're saying something and you're meaning something else entirely. Mm. Seriously, when you uh, first asked your, uh, your, your new wives out for a cup of coffee, you were not thinking you wanted caffeine. <laughs> okay that's so true you're saying one thing you're thinking another and right. and the best lines in any game the best lines in any uh movie things of that sort are when somebody is saying one thing but you can tell they mean something else you yeah. know and look at any romance situation in any movie heck any romance situation that you're in personally nobody mm-hmm. comes right out and says what they want to say it's a dance and yeah. conversations are a dance the words are just the steps, but my God, how you move within them, that's where the real improvisation begins. Oh, wow. 
That that blew my mind a little bit. Love that. <laughs> Amazing. I um I'll I'll shift gears a little bit here. I, I was curious also about the Fallout setting. I want to talk about Fallout for a minute. Just um, yeah. you know, it's Elder Scrolls is wacky and has so much going on with it and it's so unique in so many ways. But I think Fallout similarly has so much personality, so much quirk to mm-hmm. it. You know, it's got like this retro futurism angle. Oh and, yeah. Know, all, all. Since the very beginning when you're looking at Fallout one and two I mean, that's why I think that Bethesda was so excited to be able to work within this realm because it was a, a very bleak future, but it was stylized yeah. in the 1950s and it was funny and it was yeah. quirky and you could yeah. find alien ships here or there. And, uh, you know, it, 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 that's an exciting world and sandbox to play in. Mm-hmm. And, and when we did Washington, D.C., that was hugely fun. Being able to, when you have a fallout that's in your neighborhood, mm-hmm. it's kind of fun to see how much of it is, is is close and how much looks like what it could look like. And they, yeah. they actually, some of it was adapted, but some of it was also researched. And the same thing with Boston, yeah. you know, uh, same thing with Vegas, you know, yeah. some of this stuff, they know the areas. And if you go into some of these places and look around, you're like, oh, yeah, I kind of recognize that. That's the kind of thing. And so that's very, very cool. I loved that they put it in that world. I love that. And, and here's what's important, I think, in no matter what environment you're in, whether it's post-apocalyptic, whether it's a, an ancient time like uh, an Elder Scrolls, mm-hmm. whether you're going into, say, a, a, a game that may be coming up like... Uh, um, Starfield and you're going into outer space mm-hmm. it isn't yeah. about uh the wastelands necessarily it can't be about the uh castles and it can't be about uh the towns and things of that sort those are all very important can't be about ships and this the, all that stuff has to be right don't get me wrong the most important ingredient within there is is life is personality mm-hmm. are people that you identify with you know mm-hmm. Even aliens, I've always said this, people are like, well, I don't know, they're an alien, so they wouldn't act like us. I'm like, no, you're wrong. They have to have <laughs> the same emotions as us because we're the ones that are playing with it and we need to identify with them. Right. So right. we need to find people within humanity or aliens or whoever they're going to be, monsters, mm-hmm. trolls, orcs, you know, super mutants. There has to be a spark of something in there that makes us care. Yeah, And yeah. that, I think, is one of the most important ingredients no matter what you're in. And I think with Fallout, it makes us care about the people who are in there. It makes us care. We build these characters in these lives, and it becomes very important to us. You know? People ask yeah. me, they say, when you play a video game and you're playing around all the characters that you voiced, who do you pay the most attention to? And I say, I pay attention to the character I am and that I'm playing. The characters I voice that I hear in the game, I'll listen to them once or twice as I'm going through just to make sure it sounds right, sounds immersive. Am I throwing myself out of the game? Does that work? If it does, great. And I don't worry about it anymore because the most important thing is the character that you are playing. Your world. Your world. And that, I think, is it has to be in there. So heart and humor, that's what Fallout has. That's what they all have to have if they're going to succeed. Yeah, absolutely. You, sh- you show such a deep understanding of the interactive storytelling, I feel like. You know, it's just 
Because there's there are many mediums in which to tell a story. I mean, we have we've had films forever. We have books forever. We have TV for a long time. But we're all storytellers, no matter what the medium. Exactly. Exactly. And, and with video games, I feel like there's a unique strength to it, where you know you have buy-in. You have, you know, as the player, you are experiencing a story, but you're also making it happen yourself. You know, you're driving mm-hmm. it. You have agency with it. And it's 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 just it's so cool to like. Pick someone's brain who's acted in those situations, but also has such a deep appreciation for the player experience as well. Yeah, and and I do have the player experience. Oblivion for me was one of the best because all yeah. the effort sounds as mm. the uh, Imperial were mine. Yeah, how cool is it to play a game where your character player, with all his fighting and grunting and screaming and running and efforts, are you? <laughs> that's right i mean we and make it about us it's all about us anyway but it actually was my voice so and that really right didn't like bring you out of it at all like i just find that so like if i were in your position i feel like that would be so hard to just not be like oh that's me oh that's me that's me that's me it's me a cup for a couple minutes it's interesting it, you, you yeah. notice it but after that you don't because you're in the world uh, what yeah. I do notice is like when my sons were back at home and young and they were playing Oblivion and they'd be in the back room and I could hear, hold criminal scum. No one, ah, eh, ah. And it's like, they're murdering their dad in the back room. They're chopping. I think in, a, in some ways that's very therapeutic. You kept them from actually killing me. They could just go in the back, chop dad up into little pieces when they're mad at me on the video game and all this <laughs> If you, if you catch your kids joining the Thieves Guild, is that grounding? Is that immediate grounding right there? I don't know. You're like, you pat them on the back. It's like, well done, son. <laughs> I, you awesome. know, the, only, the only time my boys would be uh, in trouble for killing a character of mine in a game is if they killed the Emperor in Skyrim but didn't let him get the talk first. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's, that's, that's that, the big that, offense. That's, yeah. that's a peeve <laughs> of mine. That's a peeve of mine. And that's, see, that's the thing. I want people to care. If, mm. if you are going to eventually kill the emperor in Skyrim, mm. talk to him. Because I guarantee you're not going to be feeling as good about it. However, he's going to ask you to go out and kill somebody else who set mm. this all up. And that's Alexander Brandon, who I've run into Alexander Brandon at many different shows going, yeah, you killed me, but I had you killed. ha ha ha. Who's laughing now? Amazing. Great. Well, I think that's a good place for a break. Uh, we've covered, I, we, I feel like we could go all day. This has been amazing. Oh. Uh, but we're going to take another quick break here from our sponsors uh, and uh, don't go anywhere because we'll be right back with more of our special guest, Wes Johnson, right here. So we are back with Wes Johnson, a, ma- a legendary actor. You've heard him in so many video games, I'm sure. And uh, we're picking his brain about acting, about, about gaming, about all kinds of stuff. And I, I wanted to pose this question for you. It's something that has been on my mind. Uh, comedy as a discipline and what it, you know, how it informs acting in a dramatic sense. You know, you've probably heard this talking point of like, oh, directors love to take uh, an actor who's known for comedy, a, re- a really strong comedic actor, and give them something dramatic and serious to do. And you hear that, hear, hear people say, comedians are some of the best actors in the world. Like we heard, you know, Robin Williams was, you know, given that mm-hmm. phrase sometimes, mm-hmm. uh, Jack Black, you know, stuff like that. So at like Nick Offerman recently in the last, Oh, was, oh absolutely. God. There you go. Like, yeah, uh, there you go. So you think there's anything to that? Like, you know, just the, the strength that comedy br- training and comedy grounding can bring someone when they're trying to do something serious. Well, comedy, comedy has to come from someplace real. 
Uh, yeah. Sometimes comedy also comes from someplace dark. And we uh, joke through our pain, uh, but we are, in order to do that, you're in touch with it. And yeah. I think that a lot of the folks, there are some people who just can't get past the jokey nature of it, who will wear something on the surface as opposed to allowing it to come within. Uh, a lot of us wear emotional restrictor plates in this life because we mm. want to protect ourselves. And um, they will not allow it. Don't ever let them see you sweat. Don't let them see you cry. Don't let them see that you're angry. Don't let them see this mm. one well, acting. You got to let them see it all. Yeah. You have to come naked to the world. Comedians, I think, can also be very self, much more self-depreciating. It's also sometimes about timing. Comedians yeah. have this internal clock. They know where things are. I worked with uh, Chris Rock once before on wow. a film, and uh, he was just like, you know, you know, in comedy, the faster you say something, the funnier it is. That's sometimes true. Mm -hmm. But also, it depends upon the moment. Sometimes, mm -hmm. slow, steady, will draw attention. It, it depends, but it, but it is all about the delivery. It's all about the moment. Yeah. But Chris is right. Sometimes you just got to get that stuff and get it out and be natural with it. And don't pontificate because sometimes mm -hmm. people will oversell a comedy point. You know, they're like, here comes the joke. It has to be real. Yeah. It has to be real. It has to be in a moment, especially if it's a situational comedy kind of thing. Now, if you, mm -hmm. you amp it up into different degrees, stylized, you know, nobody ever said that Rodney Dangerfield was uh, doing uh, lifelike, realistic things. He was very <laughs> lifelike and realistic as far as Rodney Dangerfield is concerned, and he was mm -hmm. hilarious, mm -hmm. very funny. Uh, but he's the kind of guy who would bring in to be a bull in the china shop kind of thing. Bill Murray could do the same thing too, but Bill Murray aches to be a serious actor at the same mm -hmm. time. Yeah. You know, uh, Jim Carrey, who can be one of the most surface, gliding across the surface actors you've ever seen, yeah. can also sink himself. If you look at the Truman Show, oh yeah, yeah. you or know, Eternal Sunshine, Spotless Eternal Mind. Sunshine, Spotless yeah. Mind, things of that sort. Um, yeah. I think I've done a lot of comedy, and you can get typecast in that. Mm -hmm. yeah. But I've also done things that are uh, more natural, more real. I, I played a character in this thing called Celtic Cross, uh, which mm -hmm. is a short that won a number of awards uh, across the world uh, for a, a short thing about a family at a funeral. And I was the drunk bad uncle. But you could have played that broadly, you know? But I wanted yeah. to play him. There are moments that seem bigger, but I wanted him to be real. And I think we succeeded yeah. with that. And we're working on a, a full feature length version of that called Whiskey and Words. Jack Gorman is an excellent writer and uh, director, and he's working on that now. So, you know, keep it nice. going, Jack. We're ready to go. <laughs> I love Very that. cool. So, Wes, uh, some have said just, you know, since you have such a very long uh, history with comedy, uh, there's been just a lot of talk recently about, you know, whether or not the business of comedy has changed, you know, with the. Mm -hmm talking about taboo subjects or, you know, not allowing comedians to really thrive by pushing the envelope and boundaries. Uh, do you know the what? The butthurt is real, Bruce. The butthurt is real. <laughs> I got somebody mad at me the other day just because I made a joke about Madonna, for God's sake. I've been making jokes about Madonna since she first claimed to be a virgin, you know? And they had a picture of her up there at the Grammys, and I said, is this... Voldemort cosplaying as Princess Leia? 
<laughs> which I thought was pretty funny. And they're like, how dare you? She may be going through such incredible pain. It's like, really? It's, yeah. We're worried about this right now. You know, you know yeah. I'm sorry. Somebody's going to be there. Most other people came out after that and said, it's relax. It was a joke and it was Madonna. It's like, you can't even yeah. make a joke about the Kardashians anymore. You know, and, and it's, it's, it's like, somebody the world just wants to be butthurt right now everybody yeah. wants to be outraged about something and if you want to go and say anything online on the internet anymore you'll be flamed up and down one thing and the people who are flaming you the most are the ones who are complaining that they're the ones who are getting flamed i am being persecuted so because of that i'm going to nail you to the wall and dox you and <laughs> and destroy your career it's like well really <laughs> Well, let's. I, how about yeah. we all just live and let live? How about we uh, all say, you know what? Everybody's rights are everybody's rights. Trans rights are human rights because they're human That's beings. Right. You know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That being said, oh, yeah. do not tell me that I can't uh, enjoy my Harry Potter book that I enjoyed with my kids <laughs> or have nostalgia anymore. Sure. Because frankly, I'm not going out and saying I'm the world's biggest fan of her ideas, sure. except mm -hmm. the one she had about this magical prince. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be going to uh, Universal uh, after we get back from this uh, cruise. Mm -hmm. And we're going to go on the Harry Potter rides. Mm -hmm. And we're going to get sure. ourselves a butter beer. And I'm sure. going to enjoy myself. Yeah. And, and if anybody wants to come down with me, and, and, and if, if, if you have a, uh, a, you know, a T-shirt that rides up to here showing your belly button and 40 tattoos, <laughs> or if you are trans and want to show me that you are a beautiful human being, let's all get together and have a butterbeer together. Remember, we're all human beings. Mm. And let's try to be nice to each other, like in the old days when we'd have Thanksgiving. <laughs> and we didn't have to character assassinate uh, our weird drunk uncle. We just knew he was our weird drunk uncle. Right. You know, back in the days when, when we'd, we'd ignore him or we'd say, take a nap, Uncle Bob. <laughs> I think I think to some degree, just maybe being raised on the Internet or just getting really used to the Internet has made a lot of us way too comfortable with just arguing like over nothing. Anonymity. I, I, anonymity. That yeah. too. Yeah. You, yeah. Know? you know, I mean, yeah. I'm on the Internet as myself, so there's right. nowhere to hide if I say something right. that is stupid. And, and let's be honest, almost everything I say is stupid. So I'm in danger constantly. Oh, no. But that being, said, so. that being said, you're being attacked by people who call themselves some code name mm -hmm. uh, right. and get crazy. With, yeah. I had a guy today who, you know, and I believe uh, everybody's faith should be their faith. You have sure. a right to worship whoever you worship. You have a right to believe whoever you believe. And he was getting all crazy about this whole thing with Rihanna. And he was going mm. on and on and on. He was throwing verses out this here and this here and this here. Oof. And I'm like, well, you seem to be forgetting the one from Matthew that says, judge not, lest you be judged. Yeah, seriously. There you go. <laughs> How you hard know? is that? There you have yeah. it. Yeah. How about ye who uh, is without sin throw the first stone? Remember when right. they did that in Life of Brian? <laughs> and suddenly somebody gets pelted <laughs> with a stone. It's, you know, yeah. y nobody has any self-awareness anymore. They just have itches that they're ready to scratch. And after the pandemic, oh, mm -hmm. people are scratching so many itches. We've lost manners. We don't know how to shut up in movie theaters anymore. Oh, tell uh, me about it. Yeah. yeah. And if you go out to a, a, a restaurant, I go out and wear a mask in public because mm -hmm. I voice things for a living. And yeah. it's not 
entirely COVID I'm afraid of. I've been vaxxed AF. Okay. <laughs> I've been vaxxed AF. We're good with that. But it's your yeah. flu. It's your common sure. cold. Mm-hmm. I yeah. ended up being on a set without a mask a few weeks back. Somebody there was sick but didn't tell anybody. And I ended up catching something. And during uh, the Caps versus Penguins game, I start doing my uh, announce, my opening goal uh, uh, announcements for all the players coming on the ice. And it sounded like Darth Vader was strangling me as I was trying to uh, to do it. So my PA assistant had to take my place and I took his place. And wow. I had to go in and get steroids the very next day. And you know what the worst thing about steroids is? Sure, What's they up? can get you over cold and make you healthy again, but I didn't bulk up in the least. <laughs> what a ripoff. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. No, I, I, I appreciate that. I, I, totally, I, I totally get what you mean. It's just, I, I think, for when it comes to comedy, I, I, I do feel like there's something to be said with, sometimes as a comedian, you will put out to an audience you know, what, you, what you think will kill, what, what you think will be funny. And it doesn't always land. Sometimes the audience right. always kind of react with, yeah. that wasn't very funny. And there's like two ways it's you can take that. when I do stand-up. <laughs> <laughs> there's like, the way I see it, there's kind of two ways you can take that. Like, okay, I'll just go back and adjust my material and you know, try again. Mm. Or I'll, I'll say that the audience is the problem. I'm funny. I know it. And you're, <laughs> it's your fault that you're not laughing. Like, I feel like some people have kind of leaned a little too much into that direction where like it'll they'll say i'm getting canceled because no one finds me funny being silence while i'm on in their own bubble reality they live in a bubble (laughs) reality yeah Yeah. uh and 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 that that was exacerbated i think a bit by the pandemic sure you know um hey comedy is not pretty as steve martin once said and uh i also remember uh in a in a review of something that we did once before where the guy says sometimes good satire hurts to make a point but here's the mm-hmm. thing about comedy you should laugh and you should think mm-hmm. and um you know sometimes you know pick your battles sure yeah pick your battles but and is it worth it to say what you're going to say but if you're going to say it and you're a comedian find a way to say it funny and yeah. not everybody's yeah. going to enjoy it. Not everybody's going to enjoy it. Right. You're going to see people, uh, especially in this day and age, are going to be very fractious, and they're going to be divided. Uh, yeah. there, there are people you just cannot argue with in this world. And life is too short to try to argue with those people. So mm-hmm. my feeling is, do what you're going to do. Say what you're going to say. Believe in who you are. Uh, bring your best self forward. Try not to scratch that itch yourself. Love people and talk to people about the things you do have in common. Mm-hmm. And, and then try at the end of the day to let it go and breathe, and you'll sleep better at night. You'll lock your doors yeah. better, but you'll sleep better. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a more wisdom. We're getting so much so wisdom. Much that's, all, that's all beautiful Thank stuff. Thank you. Yeah. Beautiful. And it's just, you know, you get to a point in your life where you start learning all these things. And then people are like, I'm not listening to what he says. <laughs> Listeners at home, listen to Wes Johnson when he says this yes. stuff. Take Can it as gospel. Can you tell my kids that? Could you, <laughs> could you just give them a call and let them know? Come on, that would be great. Listen to your father. 
<laughs> no, when when you're the father, it doesn't matter. At a certain age, ah, now it's coming yeah. around. They're coming around where yeah, they're like, yeah. oh, okay, dad has a couple of good ideas. But there's a period of time in any relationship when your kids, when your kids, you're their hero. Dad yeah. is the hero. <laughs> and then they start going through that little phase in the teen years called Whateverland, where the world <laughs> vibrates at a slightly different plane. And they may yeah. be saying, yes, I should clean my room. But what it comes out with in the translation of the vibrational plane is, oh, fine, whatever. <laughs> and no matter what you say, you could be spitting out pearls of wisdom. And this is all they hear. <laughs> you become the world's biggest moron. Everything you say is stupid. And then eventually they pass through the cloud and they have a little life experience. And then they're like, oh, you know what? Dad's all right. He'll be okay. Yeah, maybe guess he was on to something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you guys, just remember when it comes to your moms or your dads that you yourself went through whatever land. And every mm -hmm. once in a while, it doesn't hurt to call them and go, you know what? You're all right. I appreciate <laughs> that's it. true. Call your Very parents. True. They miss you. That's true. Yeah. I'll call them this week. That's, that's good advice, everyone. Uh, hey, Mother's Day's coming up. Father's yeah. Day's, you know. Right, right. And Valentine's <laughs> Day for those people who are into edible things. <laughs> we uh we don't we don't claim that part of thing is, but they're out there i guess i don't know they're probably out there but no <laughs> i uh you know being a kid once myself i, I remember the my whatever phase you know just uh you know just where you there's an ebb and flow to it as a kid obviously you idolize your parents and then as a teen you just want to be your own person for a while it's but, natural you've yeah, got to push yeah. for your own independence that happens absolutely you become a absolutely. human being you become who you are and hopefully yeah. you get to a point where you realize you know, as far as friends and people that you can trust in this world, you, really, if you have five people in your world, five friends, you are rich. Mm -hmm. You are rich. Most, most everybody else are friendly acquaintances, but they're, if, if you have those five people that you can really trust, you're rich in friendship. And I like Absolutely. to think that, you know, your parents know you pretty well, too. Everybody, of course, do have those parents sometimes that just, you can't do anything right. And for Rough, them, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry, just understand that that's them. Forgive them for they know not what they do and what mm -hmm. they give up. But you're all right. You'll be that's fine. Do, it, do what makes you happy. Do things that are right because you know it's the right thing to do. And then again, sleep well at night. Absolutely. Wes, can, I'm sorry. Could I just ask if you could just like look into the camera just for us and our viewers and just in your most fatherly voice just say, I'm proud of you and what you're doing. Oh, I am. I'm very proud of you and proud of what you're doing. You're on the right path. Keep it up. Gold. Gold. Everyone needs to hear that right now. <laughs> Pardon me while I cry. <laughs> That's, that was clipped. We're saving that one. <laughs> My new ringtone. Beautiful. Amazing. Oh, man. Um, be true to yourself, man. That's all you can do. Yeah. That's, that's all you it. can do. You can't be who everybody else wants you to be, because let's be honest, everybody else has their own agenda. Yeah. You be who you need to be. Be solid with that. Yeah. I, I'll just say, I think turning 30 was a big epiphany from, I'm 32 right now, but when yeah. I turned 30 a couple of years mm -hmm. back, I, I think so much of the, uh, the insecurity and the, just the, the neuroses of like not knowing who I am or, you know, so much of that melted away. I was like, no, I'm, I know what I'm about. Like I'm fine yeah. with And the thirties are a great productive decade and the forties really are. are great as well. Uh, and yeah. then the knees start to go by the fifties <laughs> <laughs> up until then. It's a pretty People, sweet ride. 
Yeah, it's, I'll enjoy it for now, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. As long as you can right, continue sweet, so. sucking that sweet, sweet breath, all is well. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Every day above ground is a gift. That's that's what I think. Well, yeah, but there's, it, that doesn't apply if you're dead. Every day above ground when you're dead is, it can be a little rotten. It's bad for everyone around you. Yeah. <laughs> the people around you, they're like, hey, is he doing okay on that lawn chair? Cause he, they... <laughs> yeah, should we, yeah, should we do something about that? It's I mean, we didn't have... We didn't have many turkey buzzards in this neighborhood before, did we? <laughs> Just create a toxic oh. environment. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! So one last one last uh, bit I wanted to get into is your relationship with the fans. You know, I think that's that's something I wanted to get into a bit. Yeah. The fans of the Elder Scrolls games. I think it's plain to see that they really reacted to your performances in a big way. I think they really stuck with them. And I, I was just curious, what, what, what has it been like for you to kind of be this personality among the fan base and sort of... Well, I mean, I'm a fan of, of it as well. And uh, yeah. so when we talk about the game, I'm with them, you know? I, I've, I've played mm -hmm. it. I've experienced the things they've experienced. And we can sit around. It's almost like, you know, you're a Star Trek fan. You're a Star Wars fan. You're into uh, Doctor Who. I can talk about any of those things, by the way, mm -hmm. ad nauseum. And I can talk about the games like that as well. I feel that we are all kindred spirits. Uh, the only thing that bothers me is when someone comes up and goes, man, I've been a fan of yours since I was a little kid. And there's this person with gray hair and a beard in front of me. I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> you know, uh, other than that, it, it, you know, I, I really, truly do appreciate meeting and talking with the fans. When you guys came by in the line that day at uh, MAGFest. Mm -hmm. uh, they were telling me they were almost zapping me in the badoobies with a stun gun trying to get me to get people to keep moving because i want to talk to everybody <laughs> right. i want to i want to have conversations i want to know oh you like this what did you like about that tell me did you play this have you done that i can get into it and we can all chat forever and ever i love that kind of thing and that's yeah that's actually what i'm looking forward to when we come up on the king con cruise here in uh, march oh, sure. because we're all going to be stuck on a boat with nowhere to go but to talk about nerdy shit oh man <laughs> I, I love nerdy shit excuse the language <laughs> no, no, you're good please. that's that's perfect I, that, that is something i noticed and i really liked about meeting you was just i didn't get the feeling that you were trying that you were like just going through the motions or just you know kind of being polite like you were legitimately excited to talk to people and I am. meet yeah it was such a great authenticity. Like you were, yeah. you were just as excited as we were. Like, <laughs> yeah. Was I was was, was that day? Was I still was I dressed in any of the Shao gear that day, or was I just wearing the t-shirt? I think you were just. I think in it was t-shirt, but you did have yeah. your uh, the Wabajack. Uh, the Wabajack is yeah. now that's the kind of thing when I go out to cons around the country, and I go down <laughs> to like Florida and I go on the ship. It's hard to bring a Wabajack to those things. Yeah. Security. <laughs> they let you fly with it? No, security won't let me bring the Wabajack. It is a dangerous weapon. That's a shame. I, you, you imagine if I, if I accidentally set that thing off and turned one of the pilots into a mud crab at the wrong time. <laughs> That'd be a, yeah, that'd be an international incident. Like, what the hell's going on with Delta Airlines? Or well, sir, we're having, animals? we need some fire extinguishers. Someone got turned into a sprig in here in the middle of the, uh. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Wes, someday. Someday the Wabajack will actually do that. Exactly. We'll all lose our minds. Uh, Wes, I did want to see if I can get your opinion. If you had heard of, um, back in the day, there was a thing called, like, YouTube poop, um, and, like. There I've was... seen lots of YouTube poop. 
and they had like a, a different one just like they called it like gamer poop by like uh manslayer sure. that did like oblivion yeah. and like skyrim uh YouTube i've seen some of that i've done stuff with like the uh elder scrolls lores uh we did some things for them uh lore cast uh nice. this is lore party that, that was lore cast and <laughs> uh we, we brought back shea gorath and uh haskell for one of them i've done things right. for people like the lefave brothers uh but every time i saw that one yeah yeah when i do things like that i mean i'm a member of the union and everything however mm -hmm. i do them for charity we do it for i have a mm -hmm. I, the, the alzheimer's association i lost my mother and my grandmother had alzheimer's and uncle my mm -hmm. uh brother's uh mother-in-law is, is got it right now very badly wow. and wow. you know I, I feel strongly that we need to work for a cure for that so that's why every year through uh, Fallout for Hope, and if you follow at Fallout for Hope on Twitter, uh, guy there is just the most. You know, uh, Kenny is 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 the, the the best guy. He raises money for them for St. Jude's. We did some things this year with vo video game voice actors. Uh, last year we did a Christmas Carol, uh, mm -hmm. which was voice acted, but it was to the, in a Fallout seventy six world as the visuals. <laughs> And uh, then we did a, a Fallout uh, Christmas story this year with Ralphie. Instead of, you know, the BB gun, it was a uh, fat boy. Uh, <laughs> we've, we, we do the voice of Palooza in the spring uh, for Alzheimer's. Uh, wow. Fallout for Hope's raised uh, over half a million dollars so far, but it isn't just them. It's gamers all around the world doing, pod, doing their casts, their streams, their twitches, their, mm -hmm. and raising money to put yeah. this all together you know people say that gamers are the, they're they're just playing games they're not serious about the real world well let me tell you something i found that they are some of the best hearted hardest working most sincere people i have ever met and they work hard to make positive changes in this world and i'm proud to be a small part of that uh when we get together every year to help raise money so uh yeah Ken, Kenny Vigu is the uh, guy, Kenneth Vigu, for uh, Fallout for Hope. And uh, if you follow me on Twitter, at uh, West Johnson Voice, or on Instagram, at just at West Johnson, uh, anytime these things happen, we'll be letting people know ahead of time where you can tune in and uh, have wow. fun. There's nothing better than seeing Ellen McLean and uh, the voice <laughs> of GLaDOS uh, basically mm -hmm. doing the... Uh, I'll have what she's having speech from uh, <laughs> when Harry met Sally. <laughs> oh my Amazing. god, that's so great! Yeah, we would love to hear that whenever that happens. Like that is yes. great, and it's so awesome to just like know that like these are characters that all these people, much like yourself, are just also applying to the fan base, the gamers, mm -hmm. and for just the overall community to help Terrible and, and, and that's the thing about these voice actors who have all been lending their time you know you've got the, the, you just have to ask them and they're there yeah and uh I, I i'm proud to be a part of this group i'm proud to be a a, a member of these uh voice acting uh communities and uh mm -hmm. let me tell you something john st john who is, uh, you know, people know him as Duke Nukem, and they follow mm -hmm. him online, and, and wait for him to say something rude as Duke Nukem. Don't tell anybody, but he's one of the nicest guys in the entire world. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure. Your secret's safe with us. <laughs> <laughs> Just between us, nobody's going to hear. You got it. <laughs> this, no one will hear this, don't worry. Uh, <laughs> 
but no, it's it's all beautiful. I had one other question, and I think uh, you know I can probably wrap up with this. Or, you know, Bruce, I'll let you have a last word too. Sure. But uh, you know, being Sheogorath and just being characters that they've been in so many different properties or just different installments over the years, and it's kind of like you own a character long term. Mm. Uh, you know, I think a lot of actors dream of something like that, like dream of having that that one or many characters in your case, but that that character that people will continue hearing and interacting with for so long. And we saw that with the late, great Kevin Conroy, a hero mm. of mine, amazing Kevin person, Conroy. amazing actor, uh, and as, I, I, as Batman. He, yeah. was, he was a terrific human being, and uh, mm-hmm. his Batman was peerless. Peerless. Yes, absolutely. And Mark Hamill said he may not ever do the Joker again now that uh, Kevin's wow, not yeah. around. That was one of his things. Well, you're yeah. going to do the Joker? He's like, well, is, uh, is Kevin going to be doing Batman? Because yeah. that, they were peanut butter and jelly, man. They really were. And, you know, that being said, I, I was curious if you thought, uh, do you have any thoughts on just what a character like that means to an actor's legacy? Something that when someone thinks of that character, they immediately think of that actor. You know, well, is it? Shea Gorth has meant the world to me. Uh, yeah. It hurts me to think anybody else would, would uh, be given that voice. I, I would voice him till the end of time. Uh, Lucy and Lachance. Lucy and Lachance was the first one to break the, uh, like we say, the whole race thing with uh, yeah. over at Bethesda. Uh, so he's very special to me. Uh, Hermes mm-hmm. Mora is Hermes Mora Dragonborn. He's one of my favorites as well. <laughs> Tongue is a bit sideways in the book, but it's also sometimes a little more evil or just. That is so cool to see. Getting tangled. So, you know, (laughs) I I love them. I mean, I love these characters. I would love to do more Silver Shroud. For me Mm -hmm. to be able to grow up, I grew up a big fan of Mel Blanc. And, uh, you know, gone out and visited his grave where it says, that's all, folks, out at Hollywood (sighs) Forever Cemetery. Uh, I one time went out there and I put a rose because we were doing a comedy show there on his grave. Mm. Didn't have a stone to put there, but I put a this white rose, and I was like, "Mel, it was just me and him there." It's like I just want to let you know what you meant to me growing up, made me want to do this, be who I am. I wonder if you were here, what you might say to me. And right outside, suddenly a novelty car horn goes off on the street outside and goes, and all the hair just rises up into goose flesh on my arm. I'm like, really great talking to you, Mel. Have a great day. Take care. Bye. So, but have you ever read this book? Oh, I don't think so. Mel Blanc's autobiography, That's Not All, Folks. It's a wonderful book. I always recommended it to my uh, students, and I Mm. couldn't find my copy. I gave my copy, as it turns out, to Mike Rawson, who voices all the uh, super mutants and is a dear friend of mine. Uh, Not super mutants, all the uh, ghouls Ghouls. and things that sort of fallout. So I ordered Mm -hmm. this one on Amazon, and it was like $4.25, and I thought, $4.25? Why? It says, someone's written on the inside of it. And I thought, well, you know, I just want to read it. I don't care. I just mm. want to read it. So I mm. ordered it. And then I got it and I found out who wrote on the inside of it. <laughs> it was autographed no by Mel Blank. <laughs> no way. For, four, for $4.25. So in a way, I think that might have been Mel finally answering me. 
Oh, that's, that's unbelievable. Uh, <laughs> I have I have one of his autographs up on the wall on an old um, picture, old animation Headshot? slide of oh. Bugs Bunny handing an anvil to Yosemite Sam. Oh, my wow. God, so, that's awesome. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I also God. have an autographed picture over there of Tom Baker, and uh, we've got some William Shatner's lying around. I have my <laughs> heroes, my little geek heroes. and uh, Absolutely. I guess we all do, don't we? Sure, absolutely. I hope you know that, you know, you're that to us. Like You are a hero of ours, absolutely. Well, I mean, go make me cry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> You've got your signed headshots, and uh, I've got mine back there. <laughs> yes, we do. Very cool. Oh, is that it there behind your head? That's, yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> you got, that's you. You got yeah. the one with the microphone. Yeah, yeah. that's that. Yeah. I was like, yeah, we were at the table. I was like, that's the one I want. Yeah, no, it's... It's a, pride, it's a piece of pride right there. There are yeah. different, there's two different versions of that, you know. Oh, yeah. I lost 200 pounds. I used to play, I was in a John Waters movie uh, called A Dirty Shame. I played a character by the name of Fat Fuck Frank. Selma Blair, <laughs> Selma Blair was my girlfriend in an NC-17 film. Like, that's ever going to happen again. I got to work with Tracy Ullman and uh, Johnny Knoxville and Chris Isaac. It was way cool. Wow. Oh, wow. But I weighed 360 pounds for a long time. But I started this skinny. My wife, when she would get pregnant, I'd gain sympathy weight. I never delivered. Mm -hmm. I just gained sympathy weight each time. <laughs> uh, and then, uh, you know, I decided finally to lose it all. I lost 200 pounds. Mm -hmm. I might as well have gone to the wow. witness protection program. But the old picture in front of that very same microphone looks mm -hmm. just the same, was me heavy. So oh. when I still have a bunch of those laying around, I tried to get rid of them. I put them on sale. I had them out on the table. <laughs> one said Fat Elvis and one said Skinny Elvis. So you got a choice of which one you wanted. This oh, didn't man. sell well. Some <laughs> people so. bought it because that, that one was like five bucks. There you go. <laughs> like, I don't care. I'll take that one. More to love. Incredible. More Wes. Exactly. Yeah, I'd take one. Oh, man. Yeah. So I also just had another question of just, you know, you've already like brought so many like iconic characters to life with your voice but are there any other like roles or opportunities to like you know play uh different characters uh someday i've always wanted to be in a red dead redemption game Ooh, there you go that's I've a good choice <laughs> i've always get me a nice sam elliott kind of role where i can be out there with my weapon you get me a horse and we're going into town buddy I'm ready to Rockstar. Rock get get your shit together and hire him. <laughs> Don't know why you aren't already in Red Dead Redemption 2. Like, I have yes. played him. I've played him ad nauseum. I love him and mm -hmm. in the original Red Dead Redemption, what is better than when you first ride that horse into Mexico and it's a whole musical interlude. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. That that's peak gaming. That's a that's a core memory of mine. I played I played the original Red Dead Redemption in college and uh that's yeah i remember that scene very vividly amazing red dead redemption 2 i had a lot of trouble getting the guns to work the way i wanted them to at the very beginning mm -hmm. so i was shooting mm -hmm. people left and right i didn't mean to so that's, <laughs> yeah. that's always that makes you feel bad that makes you feel a little I, guilty sorry about your horse mister <laughs> i uh may have shot a guy in the face on accident right after saving his life from some bandits once yeah i've been there you know what saving his life was cool but i think you negated that <laughs> See, it's all about gun safety. <laughs> that's like that's like that's like uh, letting Phil Lamar live just to take him out in the back seat of your car. Exactly. <laughs> 
It's gaining some karma, losing some karma. <laughs> Phil was very cool on one of our voice of loses. I got him. He signed uh, one of his pictures oh, to me of I the bet. Pulp Fiction thing. Now, now I just have oh, to yeah. find Samuel L. Jackson, who's also in there. Get him. Yes. Signed, you know. Yes. But I, I love Phil Lamar. He's he's an amazing. He's a rock star. He's an amazing guy. Phil Lamar is nice. tremendous. Yeah. Well, first of all, he's a really really nice guy. Yeah, he's a really terrific guy, and then super talented. On top of that, guys like that, you know him, John St. John, uh, John Patrick Lauer, and Ellen McLean, Matthew Mercer, who just happens mm -hmm. to be like super nice, incredibly mm -hmm. talented, really smart, and fantastically good looking. You you got to <laughs> wonder what lottery did he win, or is there a painting, <laughs> yeah really <laughs> is there a painting in his closet that's like nah. You know, I don't know, <laughs> but you know, he, humans don't come any better at this point. Yeah, yeah. Tell tell Phil uh, tell Phil uh, that we said hi. Yeah, that we love please. him, and that <laughs> we'd love to talk to him. Yeah, if you can kidding. send him our way, just keep yeah. this train rolling. I may I may be seeing him and a bunch of them uh, at some cons coming up that I can't very cool really talk about yet because nobody uh, knows. Fair enough. But uh, I, I love fair that. Enough. I lo it's just more chances to hang out and meet people and get to know yeah. them like you guys, which was just incredible. And I appreciate the invite. I appreciate you inviting oh. me that day. And sorry it took so long for us to hook up. <laughs> Please. Hey, anytime. Anytime. It's our pleasure. It's it's really just, it's an honor, really, for it's us. Really an honor for Thank me, you too, so gentlemen. Much. Hey, Thank you so much. Like I said, there's no party like a lure party. Although, really, seriously, you guys got to start swinging some more hefty hickory around there, you know? <laughs> If you can hook us up with some with some fine swatters, we'd be happy to have them. But, all right, cool. Well, I think we're going to wrap up here. But uh, do, do we have any final uh, any last words? If you want to plug uh, anything else, do you want to talk about Elder Scrolls Online at all? Or uh, if they call, I'm always there. Not really stuff I can talk about. Uh, sure, sure. At, at this particular juncture, but uh, evidently, if you follow me on Twitter, uh, mm -hmm. which is West Johnson at West Johnson Voice. Some people are spreading rumors out there that I will not be a part of, but uh, there uh, there may be some information out there you can look up and get being excited. Being spread about. by the creative director of ESO, really. So, I mean, I guess that's a you have your source, reliable you know. source. Yeah, that's a fairly authoritative yeah. <laughs> source. <laughs> Very cool. All right, well, Wes, thank you again. This has been so much fun. Like, I can't believe it's over already. But uh, my honor, been... guys. Uh, real pleasure and. Uh, We'll do this again sometime, and uh, you let me know if you need to. Uh, we'll try to, you know, I'll, I'll refer all my friends out your way. Thanks. We'd love that. And uh, yes, we'd, and, love and, to, we'd love to have you again. And again, if you want to come back, like, our doors are always open. Now, if you do talk to Craig Seckler, who's the adoring fan, you've got to insist <laughs> that he wears the wig that I gave him. I gave him this big yellow uh, troll wig. Uh, we were doing a thing at uh he couldn't refuse it either because we were doing uh the 10th anniversary of skyrim at uh bethesda studios and it was an online thing and we had a bunch of people coming in with us who were on there uh we had uh paul eiding was on there and jeff baker and uh wow. charles martinet and all these guys were coming in from everywhere wow. around the, the world and then uh craig was right there in the studio with us and i said i have something for you craig and he's like what's that <laughs> And I took out this wig and he put it on. And Craig has this incredible hair. I mean, he has been blessed with a head of hair like nobody's business. And he had to cover it up with this thing. So, But, but the fact of the matter is, he's worn it on his TikTok. 
Oh. And uh, he did one thing there where he went on TikTok and did a thing as the adoring fan wearing the wig. And I'm on TikTok as well as at Wes Johnson on there. And so I did a duet with him as Shea Gorath. <laughs> I put on all my Shea nice. Gorath gear and came nice. in and started yelling at him as the adoring fan. Yeah. <laughs> so oh we, we all ha- we have we have some fun. Absolutely you do. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> Well, that about wraps it up. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and if you did, please take a second to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us grow the show. And be sure to connect with us on Twitch, Instagram, and Twitter at lore underscore party. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Make sure you review the lore party. Make sure you review it well. Otherwise, I may have to skip rope with your entrails and flay you alive, which would be fun. I'd enjoy that greatly. But no, I won't do it until you review. I'll be watching.